O God, bless us this day with understanding. As the Holy Scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, open our hearts and our minds to more readily, Lord. May Jesus Christ be our key for unlocking the mystery of faith and for opening the door to your kingdom. By your Holy Spirit, Church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our Old Testament reading for today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 22 through 24. If a man is found having sex with a woman who is married to someone else, both of them must die. The man who is having sex with the woman and the woman herself, remove such evil from Israel. If a woman who is a virgin is engaged to one man and another man meets up with her in a town and has sex with her, you must bring both of them to the city gates there and stone them until they die. The young woman, because she didn't call for help in the city, and the man, because of the fact that he humiliated his neighbor's wife. Remove such evil from your community. Our New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. Early in the morning he returned to the temple. All the people gathered around him, and he sat down and taught them. The legal experts and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. Placing her in the center of the group, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone women like this. What do you say? They said this to test him because they wanted a reason to bring an accusation against him. Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. He continued to question him. So he stood up and replied, Whoever hasn't sinned should throw the first stone. Bending down again, he wrote on the ground. Those who heard him went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. Finally, only Jesus and the woman were left in the middle of the crowd. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Is there no one to condemn you? She said, No one, sir. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, don't sin anymore. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We continue today in our Lens of Christ series, and we continue to look at the way that the Old Testament changes when we view it through Christ. And today's scriptures are so very different that sometimes it causes us to have a bit of trouble trying to read them side by side. And it's because we have the Old Testament law that says if this happens, stone them. Get rid of the evil from Israel. And it seems harsh. And it seems especially harsh when we see the way that Christ handles it. Now, there's a few things that we could look at. We could look at why they might have rules about stoning people for crimes such as adultery. That as a nomadic tribe, the Israelites wouldn't have had a jail. They wouldn't have had too many punishments aside from either being kicked out of the community or death. We could look at all of the political things surrounding Christ's decision. All the things that influenced exactly what he said. And we'll touch on those a little bit, but our main focus is going to be how we read those Old Testament verses and why they are still relevant when we read them with Christ in mind. We read the Old Testament scriptures and they're very clear. 
If someone's caught in adultery, stone them. Someone has broken the laws, get rid of the evil by stoning it. Take them outside the city gates and kill them. Now we talked last week about how nobody was thinking about stoning people on the way to church. And that has not changed for me in the last week, and I'm hoping it didn't change for any of you. But we have that issue of, this is what the law says. So shouldn't we still follow the law? Well, when we get to the example that Christ sets for us, he interprets the law a little differently. Now, he's given a rather unique situation. He has brought one person caught in the act of adultery. Now, I don't know about you, but this might seem a little odd, because as far as I've ever known, it takes two people to commit adultery. So being brought just one raises quite a few questions by itself, especially it being the woman that was brought forward. I could go into that in much more detail. My suspicion is that this was somebody they didn't want to get in trouble. So they figured, we found the woman, we'll just bring her along. He can go and cover things up, and we'll just hold this over his head later and be able to extract a few favors from him. So the situation that Jesus has presented is, the Pharisees and the legal experts bring this woman Caught in adultery, there's more than two witnesses, so they have enough to be able to predict and say, she's guilty, we can proclaim her guilt right here. You know what the law says. Jesus recognizes why they brought her there. They were not interested in fulfilling the purpose of the law. They were not interested in justice. They were not interested in ridding the evil from the land. They were interested in testing Christ. And they were willing to put someone's life on the line to test him. Here's the problem. If Jesus had stoned her, he'd be going against Rome. Rome said, you can't put people to death. That's just going to be how it is. This is the reason that the legal experts and the Pharisees were constantly looking for something to bring to the Romans because they could not put people to death themselves. However, if Jesus, no, just let her go, they'll be able to say, well, you didn't follow the law as Moses wrote it, so you are in trouble now. His answer does something that we really should do any time that we decide that we are going to punish someone. He directs all of that focus inward. All of that anger that the scribes and the Pharisees and the legal experts had. He goes, all right, you want to punish her. Whoever here hasn't committed a sin, throw the first stone. the moment they have to reflect on their own actions. They don't even question them. They run away. They scatter. 
Nowhere in Deuteronomy does it say only those who have no sin can stone people outside the gates. Only those who have never committed a sin may carry out punishment. Jesus actually enhances the law to make the letter of the law more difficult to follow. And he does this all the time. We see it when he says, well, you know, it's been said that you shouldn't murder, but if you're angry, then you've already committed murder in your heart, and you're guilty, and you're liable to punishment. If you think adultery is bad, if you lust after somebody in your heart, you're already guilty of adultery. Jesus takes the letter of the law and goes, all right, if you do these things in your heart, not just outside your heart, you're guilty already. Now stop for a moment and think about how many times you have wanted to say something and you stopped yourself just before you do and you go, you know what, that would not be a good thing to do. Think of any time that you have thought about doing something even for a moment and then decide, you know what, that would be a terrible idea and I shouldn't do it. I should never even have thought it. And now think of all the punishments that you should have for thinking those things in your heart. I don't think there would be one of us left standing. Jesus takes the letter of the law and makes it nearly impossible to follow it. Because he said, if you are going to be liable to punishment, you're going to be liable to punishment for everything that you think, everything that you keep hidden inside, you are liable for. But, Jesus highlights the spirit of the law. And that's justice. Jesus looks at this woman caught in adultery and he has to stop and go, all right, what good does this do anybody if we stone her now? What justice will this bring about? She's been brought here alone, so apparently this isn't important enough for them to punish both parties because if she was caught in the middle of the act, there had to be somebody else there. And if they're bringing her to me instead of carrying out punishment, they don't actually care about doing what is right. See, the problem is, is that the law originally says, do this because you want to remove such evil from your community. Drive the evil from your land. Get the evil out of Israel. Except now, the law has been changed into that evil. The law is no longer being used to drive out evil. The law is being used for evil intent because the only reason they want to enforce the law is to be able to test Christ. The only reason they want to carry out a punishment on this woman is so that they can prove themselves to be righteous. There's no justice in what they do. Christ sees that this is an act of injustice. They've taken the law and they have weaponized it to be something that lets them carry out their own personal desires, their desire to punish others, their desire to seem righteous. They're no longer caring about God's law. They're not caring about driving out evil. They've become the evil. 
The law has become a burden. What's interesting is that Christ does not say, okay, then the law is gone. We don't need it. He still knows that there are things that we shouldn't be doing. There are things that we have to be careful about. But he also recognizes that we fail. And Christ didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. And so if we look at the law through that lens, do we save anybody by dragging them to the gate and stoning them? No. But if we take that moment to reflect, if we take that moment to realize that compassion might be able to save someone, gently correcting in love and mercy, saying, you know what? I see everybody's left and there's nobody left to condemn you. I'm not going to condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Too often we get hung up on that very last part. Go and sin no more. We take that to be the important lesson we learn. And I would call that an impossible command. And Christ knows it. He knows it because man was told not to sin in the garden, and yet he did. Man was told not to sin outside the garden, and yet he did. And we watch man fail up until Noah and the flood. And then we see Noah fail. And then we see the generations after Noah fail. And then we see Israel delivered from Egypt. And then in the wilderness, they fail. They are given a kingdom to call their own. They are given a great king in David. And he fails. What we see time and again is Israel can't live up to the strict laws that they were given. And they can't live up to them from the moment they were written. Christ knows that she's going to sin again. But when he tells her, go and sin no more, it's the idea of try. You know you're going to fail, then try. Do your best. But he does it in compassion. He could have said, well then, everybody's left, but I still condemn you. But he doesn't. He doesn't condemn her. He forgives her. He recognizes that she's sinned. And he says, go try and do better. Try and live a better life. Try and be a better person. Too often we get hung up on the letter of the law and we go, well, it says this, so we have to follow it to a T and we don't think about why the law is there. We don't think about some of the injustices caused when we think about the law now. Even when we read the Old Testament law, there's a whole depth that we get to get into about the woman having to cry out or she is put to death. But when we think of the law and we think of it the way that 
Christ shows it to us. That it's there to help restore us. That it's there to say, you know what? You've messed up. And it's easy to see you've messed up. And now that we've pointed that out, now is the time to make things right. Law and punishment no longer go hand in hand. The law remains, but the punishment is withheld because Christ realizes who are we to pass judgment? People who can't uphold the law on our own. If we can't uphold the law, then who are we to pass judgment on others for not being able to uphold the law? There's dozens of laws like this in the Old Testament. Dozens of places that it says put someone to death. Mother and father, stone them. Christ realizes that we fail. And maybe we don't fail at the big ones, but maybe we fail at the small ones. And maybe we fail in ways that weren't written down because we hadn't even realized you could fail in that way. I know there's nothing in here about stealing somebody else's computer password, but I know it's wrong. There's nothing in the Bible about what to do on an airplane. But we still gather right from wrong. We also get the idea of justice through Christ. We aren't called to punish the world. We are called to save it. Our calling is not to condemn souls and damn them. Our calling is to save souls. We aren't called to run away with our tail between our legs when Christ says, whoever hasn't sinned, cast the first stone. We are called to be the one who offers a hand up and says, I don't condemn you. We face sin with the bravery that Christ instills in us because we face it in our own hearts. Christ asks us to look inside because we know that if we need forgiven, then we have to forgive as we need to be forgiven. If we have sinned, then we know others have sinned. If we recognize our own failings, we can help others who have failed. Instead of passing judgment, we show mercy and grace. Because instead of passing judgment, Christ showed mercy and grace to us. He lifted us from the covenant that we couldn't keep. Because all we could do was fail. And he lifted us to one that we could keep. Not to punish each other for breaking the laws, but to pray for each other, to love each other, to help each other. This doesn't mean that we ignore when people do things that shouldn't be done. It doesn't mean that people are free to do whatever they want. I can only imagine that the woman brought before them lived a very different life after that public shaming.
but she lived to be able to have a chance at living a very different life. She lived because there were likely people in that crowd who simply hadn't gotten caught. There were likely people in the crowd who maybe had been shown mercy behind closed doors who realized they were about to condemn someone for something less than sins they had committed. Christ reveals the hypocrisy in trying to punish others when we don't look inward into our own hearts. He shows the way that our hypocrisy turns the law into an evil instead of a good and reminds us that our place is not to condemn each other and to judge each other. Our place is to correct each other in gentleness, rebuke each other when needed, and bring each other back into the fold in love and kindness. We are not called to be the enforcers of the law and to give out divine punishment. We are called to love. We are called to be Christ's love. We are called to be his mercy. We are called to give life where death is expected. We are called to give love when hatred is expected. And we are called to give mercy when punishment is expected. Because Christ has already been merciful to us. He has already interjected and taken our punishment from us. If Christ has already taken our punishment, then surely he has taken the punishment from those that we would like to punish. Know this. When we go into the world ready to judge each other, then we judge ourselves. When we go into the world ready to tell everybody what they are doing wrong, the one thing that it tells them is that we are wrong. Because the message that we need to carry is we all fail, but we can all be saved. Because that is the hope that Christ gives us. That no matter how many times we mess up, His mercy and His love will still be there. Let mercy be our law. And let love be the thing that guides us in all that we do and all that we are. Amen.